the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, show 44, 19th of January 2012. Coming to you from SW8 Love Loss and Lattes, lots of lattes. I am feeling rough this week, probably sounding more nasal than normal. Um, I'll try not to uh, cough too much throughout the show. Uh, come down with the cold, as I think many people have been over the last couple of weeks. This is the only time I really need my inhalers. I never use my inhalers at all, um, except when it's too late and I'm feeling rough and uh, chest starts to get a bit tight had a had a rough night last night i think this should be uh, as bad as the cold gets turned on the heat and in the uh, uh, in the bedroom which is such a cold room i mean that room is an ice box turned it on for an hour and it didn't really make much difference uh, had the upstairs neighbor making so much noise till about till about quarter to 1 in the morning you know if i was a, if i was a a violent man. If my makeup was different, I'd have gone up there and beat that kid up in front of his young girlfriend. He'd have probably kept his headphones in. God knows what sort of music he'd have been listening to as I beat him to a pulp. But I don't understand some people because they don't know me. They don't know what kind of temperament I have. Why would you make that much noise? I think they might be moving. I'm a reasonable guy. Um, I think if you're moving and you're still moving stuff at quarter to one in the morning, that is unreasonable. But, uh, you know, I'll see what happens uh, tonight. You don't, it is normally a very quiet block, but uh, they really, uh, they really pissed me off last night. Uh, earlier in the evening, I picked up a call on you. I shouldn't have picked up. I've got a, a mate now supposedly coming over tomorrow. I'm a, you know, I'm a crap host. I'm not a, I'm not a good host. There may be two or three people I can handle coming around. I just... I don't know why anyone wants to come around here. Uh, people also, as I've said, they, their friends assume I do nothing during the days. I keep, you know, I've said that. I, I keep saying that. The fact is, I know that I won't be working this hard when I make that return to 9 to 5. There's no way I'm going to work this hard in a job. You know, I'm chasing my tail trying to dig myself out of this because no matter what I've done up to this point, it doesn't seem to be making too much of a difference. Now, tomorrow, I lose tomorrow. Uh, the bulk of the day because uh, someone's coming over, an old friend, not among the oldest. I grade my friends when they come over. Uh, if they're an old friend, uh, I'll I'll give them. I'll put the best hand towel out there, basically in the bathroom. If they're a friend that I've known 12 to 15 years, like this friend, uh, tomorrow then I've got a different towel. If they're friends I don't know that well at all, people I don't know that well at all, then I'm bringing out the worst towels. Um, if, you know, generally if I don't know people well or maybe suspect they're promiscuous, I bring out a different hand towel than the one I would use for these people, uh, or for, for friends who live locally. And I probably never use that hand towel again, to be honest. I, I might keep it as a rag to wipe down walls or floors. If kids come over, I'll probably have a different towel for those. I might even go and buy out, uh, buy a new sort of cheap hand towel. I don't know. I mean, this, the bathroom is a big thing when people come over. It never used to be like that. I think that's, that's, uh... A relatively new OCD. Well, uh, maybe I can trace that one back four or five years. It's got me in a sweat. The hoover's busted. I'm having to sweep each room. When I have time, I'm staggering that because I'm not going to sweep the whole flat in one go. Whereas with a hoover, you know, I'll hoover the whole flat. But uh, I could have done with keeping tomorrow free. Um, the priority has to be finding work. I mean, I've got uh, something in the morning, uh, an initial interview tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll come to that uh, shortly. But, uh, yeah, January. I don't know anyone who likes January. Uh, last week, uh, on, a, on a lighter note, I told you that I was smelling of cherry blossom and uh, vanilla bean. A, a smell that I've, I've come to uh, love um, in, a, in perhaps a, t a too easy a way. In the same way that uh, Mickey Boyd came to love his dog Marley too easily. You know, love should be built up over time. Love and genuine affection. It can't be an instant thing. Uh, and anyway, this cherry blossom and vanilla bean, it's a, it's a great smell to start the year with. And I asked you guys to get in touch with your own smells. And uh, the lovely William Stafford uh, copyright, uh, Mickey Boyd, emailed in. Uh, William uh, said, hello, Daniel, you asked, unless I dreamt it, for our smells. I certainly did. 
Uh, I am able to report a new one in my house. My bubble bath purports to be made from jalapeno and black pepper. Black pepper. Uh, I think someone said a while back that black pepper is supposed to lift the smell. Um, William continues, it's a, uh, it is deep red in hue and doesn't smell all that strong. And I often wonder as I stretch out marinating in my lovely big bathtub if I'm going to smell like a taco or an enchilada by the time I'm finished. Uh, in fact, my current range of toiletries could comprise a set menu. My shampoo is redolent of blueberries, my conditioner of mint, my shower gel of ginger, and my toilet cleaner of oranges. Either I'm walking around like a Mexican starter or something off the dessert trolley. Or I could be purchasing my toiletries from the wrong aisle in the supermarket. So that's uh, William's smell. Uh, jalapeno and black pepper. Keep your smells coming in. Email them to drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Um... Yeah, so it's been a, a continuation of a, a tough start to the year motivation-wise. Not just because uh, Sainsbury's messing around with their prices. You know, they've got their basic gel air fresheners now going up from 39p to an incredible 52p. That's the second rise in the last couple of months. Went up originally from 29 to 39p. Now it's gone up 13p. Their basics uh, range uh, tins of tomato soup have gone up by a penny to 25p from 17p just a couple of months back. I mean, this extra penny now, what is that about? Is that worth it? Is it worth alienating your customers to that extent? Just a, uh, uh, a point of order there on the uh, air fresheners. I would actually argue that the uh, Asda Smart Price fresheners are better and are holding, as far as I know, at around 38, 39p mark. I don't think they'll, they'd have put them up to the extent Sainsbury's have. You might want to check out your uh, air fresheners from uh, Asda's. But yeah, January. Um, January's never been my favourite month. I doubt if it's uh, it's it's anyone's favourite month. Um, and I I suffer from a seasonal affective disorder, and it's not been a problem for for many a year, to be honest. Not since uh, Mayflower. Uh, if you remember timestamp December '99, I talked about the water coming through the roof. It is essentially I I can handle the cold. Um, but uh, the rain, I can't, and I'm uh, I'm I'm living on a I'm not living on a top floor, but part of my ceiling is exposed because of the way the uh, the building is designed, and uh, there's a few ceiling issues here, or or, or could be issues uh, in the future, and uh, you know signs from when I moved in that it might be, and uh, that obviously does take me back to Mayflower and. Uh, something I raised when I moved in it wasn't they done a whitewash on the ceilings when I came to see the place which is a, a trick landlords often do so uh, I wouldn't have got caught out by this because I'm quite paranoid about uh, living on top floors or uh, and I'd had a look at the building from outside so I knew that the ceiling was exposed so that kind of plays on my mind a bit and uh, quite lucky there was seven or eight days without rain but obviously the last uh, couple of days it's been raining here in South London so uh, that does affect me. Um, I'm taking positive action. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm planning to get a break in next week. Uh, I don't drink, uh, which helps. Um, so, you know, I know what it is, and I'm dealing with it relatively calmly, but it's it, it, it's not good, and it's certainly... Uh, I won't get caught out like this again. Um, I shouldn't have got caught out like this last time, but I think considering where my mind was, it's uh, one of a number of things I missed when I was uh, flat hunting last year. I was at the uh, <coughs> podiatrist, excuse me, earlier on in the week as well for the foot. I had the um, the jab, cortisone jab, uh, four months ago now for the uh, broken foot. Um, the effects have worn off. I mean, for a couple of months, it was brilliant. I could walk again properly. Um, obviously, there's a load of things I can't do. Team sports are out, cycling, rowing, all that kind of stuff. Basically, a lot of stuff I never used to do, I can't do anyway. But I'm finding that, you know, push-ups, uh, I can't even do those without hurting the foot. So I went to see the guy and he said, look, you basically should have the surgery. He's reluctant to give me another injection. He confirmed that injections are only likely to last a couple of months and it would probably be the last one that I could have. But, you know, it's that thing that I said last summer. Uh, if I'd been uh, still been in a relationship uh, and given that I'd taken the sabbatical, I could have had that surgery. Um as it was my current situation, I can't. The recovery time would be three or four weeks. Uh, bad enough getting by on crutches, but I'm not doing that on my own. So, you know, I'm just buying myself time, essentially. So, 
it's there. It's a it's a shadow on my life that has to be dealt with at some point. It uh, comes to a lot of us. Uh, what what pissed me off is uh, apart from the podiatrist uh, coughing on my foot, was that. Uh, he gave the example of, uh, again, which is when the original diagnosis was made, the, uh, the the podiatrist who was looking at the x-rays. And remember, this had been mis misdiagnosed a couple of times initially, so I'd aggravated it by walking around on a broken foot for seven months. I knew the foot was broken. Doctors, hospital x-ray saying, no, it's not broken, until finally, seven months later, December 2009, I'm told, yes, it is broken. Flake of bones, got in the ligaments, reads a load of damage. Uh, you've now got a major problem. Uh, he gave the example of Gary Lineker. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the injury that uh, curtailed Gary Lineker's career. Yeah, but Gary Lineker was a, a multi-millionaire 20 years ago. Gary Lineker could afford to divorce his missus. Gary Lineker's got a, you know, probably paying maintenance for the four kids he's got and knocking around with this young sort that he's with. Um, you know, so it's a very bad example to give someone, uh, you know, who's had a couple of breakdowns and is... Uh, doing his best to knock out a podcast every week that's not you know there should be a different example that i'm given he also checked a text whilst he was speaking to me which i thought was very uh, unprofessional as he checked it he said robert bird uh, you know as if that meant anything to me and uh, i was wearing brand new socks uh sports socks black sports socks and i thought they're thinner than the standard primark socks they're not going to leave a load of fluff took the sock off you know the foot was just stained my foot was like black from a brand new sock this after having a bath, you know, this was this was embarrassing. I tried to explain to the guy about the sock. I I, I think he was doing the polite thing of not listening. He's probably thinking this is this is not a great foot to start the day with. I was I was disappointed with myself. I should have gone as I was originally going to go with uh, the white sports sock, but then I just thought he's not going to know why I'm going with the white sports sock. I'm going to have to explain to him why I've gone with the white sports sock. I'm going to have to explain to him that I don't normally wear white sports socks because I'm aware it's not the 80s. I remain focused. I'm doing what I need to do. I mean, the last two days, I have busted my balls. I really have. But it is so tough out there that you don't feel like you're making any progress. I mean, the last couple of days have been very productive on the 9 to 5 front. Less so on the writing, but I understand what's happening with the writing. I understand why I'm not really getting anywhere with the new stand-up set. It's because the focus is gone. There's no sharpness. You know, this thing is uh, wearing me down. People can be listening to this thing thinking, oh, you're so negative. I'm not negative. Um, you know, I'm a realist, I think, uh, in terms of the situation. Now, this is not a situation, or this bears very little resemblance to what it might have been three or four years ago, where I could have sorted this out a lot quicker. You know, all the uh, problems I had, I've, I've, you know, all the failings, you know, I've dealt with most of those. I've looked at them. I've faced them down. I've, I've learned my lessons. The final thing to get through this is to get back onto the 9 to 5 scene. But it's, you know, it is terrible out there. I said last week, I know that I'm struggling with the writing because it's down to how I'm feeling. Um, you know, another thing that's not helped, I've been getting grief from a few listeners. The thing about doing a show, any show, the thing about doing stand-up, the thing about basically putting yourself out there, not hiding behind uh, a writing credit is however small what you're doing might be, or however big, people feel they know you to the extent that they can take pop shots. Um, I don't need praise, neither do I need personal abuse. Neither change anything. I remember uh, Peter Hook, a great reply once when uh, I think Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, who was working on their comeback album in 2001, Get Ready, he said, you know, New Order's... Uh, back catalogue was comparable to uh, uh, the Beatles and uh, perhaps even surpassed the Beatles uh, you know uh, uh, an opinion which I would agree with uh, which wouldn't surprise regular listeners um, and uh, Peter Hook said you know that's very nice of uh, Billy to say that but that doesn't really help me I still have to put my rubbish out every day I still have to pay my bills I I can't really be thinking uh, about how good uh, you know, the band's back catalogue is. And that, you know, that's how I feel. Neither change anything. Neither change my situation. Uh, I don't mean to sound ungrateful for the, for the praise. It's just, you know, that's not what I'm doing this for. I, I The show was originally set up, and probably still is, for me, uh, just a place where I can air my views and also... Uh, not because... Uh, well, understand where I am in my life, you know. And uh, I don't have the uh, counselling thing anymore. And I think this is... 
this is the day where I let off some steam. This is the day where I look at the positives in my life. I look at the negatives, how I can change those negatives into positives. It's where I hear from listeners and as to you know how you're getting on. And I know many listeners themselves are struggling. You know, and that's still why I'm doing this. Uh, you know, this show is not going to turn me into a superstar or anything like that. The personal abuse is uh, a bit more draining, obviously, than the praise. Um, I don't know what other conclusions I can draw from that abuse, other than, you know, some of these people might not be the full ticket. I personally, I've never felt the need to, to, to praise anyone's work, or worse, still hammer them over something. I just don't understand that. If you don't like the show, or, or you think I'm self-absorbed, don't listen. I'm always more than happy to recommend other podcasts. You know, if I'm guilty of living in my head and overanalyzing things, it's simply because I made so many mistakes getting here that I can't afford to make any more. The biggest lesson that I learned is that making mistakes, you know, you can make a mistake in a moment. It can be one bad decision and it will take you years to recover from that. That's what I learned. When people have, over the last year or so, told me that they're thinking of doing something or they're going to do this or that, and often it's a bad thing, and I'll given my own take on that and I'll tell them what happened to me and uh, how I was once in their shoes and I ignored all advice and you know look look what happened to me I went into the year with a plan it was a good plan I'm sticking with it uh, the evening class fell through which you know it would have been good it would have been good for me I'm not going to do another evening class for the sake of it the evening class that I uh, that neighbor banging stuff around again the evening class that i i wanted to do fell through the uh, tutor resigned that's the class i'd wanted to do since september uh, i think they're setting it up again in april i'll wait till april i'll wait till april and hopefully it'll be nice to be going to this class in the spring and the summer and uh, hopefully it'll be a it'll be a good thing so i'll have to wait i've not seen anyone uh, the last week apart from the funeral that i went to on friday uh, and an old colleague I, I worked with a couple of nights ago. Um, my countenance at the funeral, obviously, uh, unsurprisingly to me, uh, left me suspected of being a professional mourner. I was questioned by a couple of people there who I was. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was tough. <coughs> Excuse me. Um you understand these things better now. I saw things there that I understand now, that I understand I didn't know what those things were, you know, 10, 11 years ago when I was burying my parents. I know what my friends have to go through now. I know that it starts now. They, they've buried their loved one and this is where it starts for them now. This is the rest of their life where they have to spend a, a considerable period of that adjusting to the fact that that person is no longer there in their life and finding a way of moving forward um, and that you as their friend need to be there for them and I don't claim to be uh, an authority on uh, bereavements I've experienced enough as I'm sure many of you have um, I don't think I, you know I think the experience could be very different for everyone um, you've just got to be ready for it. You've got to be ready to allow yourself to feel what you need to feel. And uh, there's no time frame on it. I think that's the most important thing I learned. You can't push yourself with these things. And if you're not feeling something initially, don't beat yourself up. You know, when it comes, it'll come. And that's when you have to be ready. First show I've tried to do in a while without a, a can of uh, Diet Blue Bolt. Doesn't feel the same. Had a an energy bill arrive at the weekend, which uh, killed me. I was ready for the amount, actually, I have to say. But uh, when I read the actual bill, I knew it was wrong. They were they were claiming uh, that I. Well, they were saying I was being charged 100 pounds for an early termination fee, and I hadn't terminated anything. Um, I hadn't got out of the house on Saturday until the afternoon. You know, I've been fairly good at switching off, so it was just a case of uh, going down to the uh, cafe with the Murakami book and trying to relax. Um, 
so I didn't get down. I didn't leave the house till after two. Got the letter. Saw the letter. Saw the bill. Wasn't happy. You know, I'm someone who can't wait. The fact that I now had to wait until Monday morning, first thing Monday morning, uh, to resolve this. I mean, that killed me. I'm just someone who can't wait. I'm disappointed that I got hung up on this. Uh, it actually, it didn't just ruin my weekend. Uh, it utterly destroyed it. I, I, I did this to myself. I called uh, first thing Monday morning. Of course, the bill was wrong. I hadn't terminated any contract. Uh, the new bill has now been sent for £100 less than the original bill. But, you know, all this work that I've done, all this trying to be calmer, and, uh, you know, these things weren't supposed to be getting to me anymore. And it did. I can't lie. It got to me. I could keep this information to myself, but I would know that it got to me. I would know how I felt on Saturday and Sunday. I would know that I got into a state over it. Back in the day, uh, I lived with someone who would deal with this stuff. Uh, she knew how I'd get. I'd just hand over whatever money I owed, whatever the amount was. Beyond that, I took no responsibility. Um, it's kind of why I, I like the fact that I don't actually get many letters. Uh, I'm grateful for having a communal letterbox. That sound of a letter being popped through the letterbox is not one that I have ever liked. I think I've got it up there with, uh, you know, living on a ground floor and having a garden. I, I don't want that. It's not something I enjoy. I don't like the idea of someone coming up to your door and pushing something through the door that's going to ruin your day. Um, you know, I go downstairs, I see letters in the communal hallway, I, you know, the chances are they're not for me. You know, a couple of times a week there's something for me. That That's fine. Um, when I was growing up, you know, by the time I was, you know, mid-twenties, still in Mayflower Road, so many letters would be for me. And uh, it was just relentless, the amount of bills. Everything was billed. The difference this time, and I suppose it's a good thing, is that I am aware of how I can get. I knew what was happening, which is why as bad as it got, I think it could have been a lot worse because I was trying to stamp it out. I know that whatever this OCD might be, I know what it was doing. Uh, I made numerous attempts to, to stamp on it, as I say. They failed, but I did try. What I learned was I should check the mail by midday on a Saturday next time because a lot of these customer service centres, uh, you can still call them up, uh, I think in this case, EDF. Uh, they're still open till about 2pm on a Saturday. I could have salvaged my weekend. If I'd gone down uh, and checked the mail... I could have salvaged the weekend. Uh, so it was, you know, that was bad on my part. Tuesday, I met up with an old colleague. Uh, she helped me very kindly. Uh, that wasn't the idea. The original idea was just to meet up, um, uh, see how I was getting on and, and, and so forth. Uh, she was, a, you know, a considerable help to me when uh, things went wrong. Well, after things went wrong. Uh, I didn't know her too well when things were going wrong. Uh I suspect that simply because she could see that I wasn't well, so she kept uh, a distance. But, uh, you know, she was observant enough to realise that something was going on and that I was very different to the guy she'd met when she started in the role, which was uh, some time after me. So I just thought, you know what, I really need to do something about my CV. Uh, this is an opportunity to uh, sit down with someone who has far more experience than me in, in the 9 to 5 world, someone who can just tell me, like it is, and uh, as painful as that might be, you know, I can I can improve the situation. I can do something about it. I can get the CV and the cover and letter looked at. And she did that, and uh, already possibly lined up for one role. I've got uh, something uh, tomorrow. I think I've mentioned that twice now. I'm like a cock tease here. Um, she pulled me up on the cover and letter, uh, and I looked at the letter, probably for the first time, and it was disgraceful. I was shocked. I've never been this slack before. So many spelling mistakes. I know how to spell liaise. I know that liaise has two I's in it, from simply from the amount of spelling tests I did at agencies in the 90s, and the amount of times I got caught out by that. If there's one word I, now ha I know how to spell as liaise. I know the Americans spell it with just one I, and I'm assuming that I had the uh, default American spelling setting on, uh, on Word. So that was spelt wrong. I was shocked. 
Uh, I think this covering letter reflected very much where I am right now. I was just sending the same letter to everyone. I didn't really care as the weeks were passing recently. Just I think since the turn of the year, I realized, look, I'm not getting anywhere. The sabbatical was supposed to end in September. I'm not busting a gut here. I'm, I'm, I'm putting in the hours. I'm putting in four or five hours a day looking for that role. But I'm not giving myself a chance because I'm just sending out the same letter. And the same letter is crap. And the CV is crap. That was unprofessional. I know that the letters need to be tailored individually, but I wasn't putting in that effort. I was telling myself I needed to do it, but I wasn't doing it. If somebody sent me a script to read like that, I wouldn't have read it. You know, I, I, it's just, it is unprofessional. So, why did I think that it didn't matter? I don't know. It disappointed me. Um, then I got an email in the evening from my old colleague with uh, further thoughts on her part um, regarding the problem of how I get about explaining my lengthy sabbatical, because it is a problem. No one takes sabbaticals right now, and uh, it's a grey area. Uh, when I had my last interviews, actually, in um, October, I was told that you know by the agency... Um, preparing me for the first interview they said look you can't tell them about the stuff that's happened to you you can't even tell them about one of the things that's happened to you because it's just going to change the whole tone of the interview you know we're going to have to find something for you to say here um obviously a simple google search is going to show what i've been you know been up to since uh, March and April of last year, an employee can do that. That's the problem. I never, I've got no problem with any of the stuff that I've done, except when it comes to trying to get back into the job market. I always knew that was going to be a problem, which is why the blog uh, is under uh, the alias. Um, I'd rather write under my own name. If it, if this was, you know, four or five years ago, that's that's what I would have done. Anyway, right at the end of the email, this uh, former colleague, uh, just after putting something in about buying some shorts for her kid, uh, she slips in, your face was bigger than I remember. I mean, there's never a good time to hear something like that. Certainly, though, I can say f for sure that right now is not a good time to hear something like that. Lucky I'm a, I'm a confident guy, but, I, you know, it, it derailed my evening a little. I was thinking, bigger how does she mean long? I can live with long, you know. The, the, the forceps gags I've been dealing with, you know, it was a forceps delivery. Every Christmas, my uh, cousin's uh, uh, find a tape measure, a mystery tape measure appears from some cracker that doesn't look expensive enough to to carry a tape measure in it, and they'll start measuring my head. You know, uh, I, I've done the whole... Uh, uh, transitional hair gag routine with you guys where uh, I've said, you know, I didn't get the haircut that uh, I wanted last year. I got a transitional haircut so you guys could get accustomed to my long face. But this bigger comment, I was thinking it can't be bigger as in wider because, you know, I'm on salads, I'm on basics range soup. There's no way the head's wider. I'm, I'm, I'm not eating the kind of food that would make my, my, my head, my face wider. Uh, she clarified it when I pulled her up on it. Not brilliantly, I have to say. And uh, I just skimmed through the email for fear there might be something painful in there. Um, you know, it, the original email was enough for me. My morale was uh, further dented today with a job offer to work for what the recruitment consultant labelled as an amazing young entrepreneur writing all these press um, and blogging on his behalf. A 21-year-old entrepreneur, and uh, yeah, I think that's a low point. I said to the recruitment consultant, I'm almost 40. I'm not working for a 21-year-old. Uh, not just a 21-year-old, probably a monster of a 21-year-old. I mean, if you've got the recruitment consultant blowing smoke up this guy's ass, imagine what his team are telling this kid. You know, that is how you turn people into pricks. Don't tell people they're amazing. You see that on talent shows on TV, you know, the, oh, you're this, you're that. Is it any wonder that these people start believing the hype when the people around them keep, you know, blowing smoke out their ass? I don't, you know, I'm struggling with storage heating and, you know, racking up nectar points. And I'm being offered a job to work for someone who wasn't even born when I was uh, forced to dispose of my 41 strong collection of porn mags back in the summer of 88. I think that hurt me even more than the uh, your face is even bigger than I remember comment. 
the, the consultant, you know, kept on dangling bits of information in front of me, saying, oh, look, Saatchi and Saatchi are working with him. Uh, I couldn't give a monkey's, you know. I'm not working for a kid. Bad enough that it's likely I will be working for some 20-something boss, but I am not working for a baby. You know, they have to have at least been born before I got caught out with the porn mags. That, that's the cut-off point. It used to be I don't work for anyone born after Live Aid. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm realising beggars can't be choosers. I've now put that back to, uh, uh, I think the cut-off point is July 88. Anyone after July 88, uh, which is, I got caught out with the poor mags August 88, uh, and I uh, tossed them, for want of a, a better expression, over the wall of a, a neighbour's house in August 88. That's the cut-off point, July 88. After that, I don't work. Anyone born after that. I can't work for them. I can't work for you. I'm sorry, kid. You're listening to the Daniel Rins Tyson podcast, Love, Loss and Lattes, coming to you from SW8. Uh, time for timestamp now. This week, uh, I asked what you were doing in June 2010. For me, it was actually uh, a time of rare optimism. Um... Please Don't Hug Me was uh, a few weeks away from starting. Uh, the World Cup had started in South Africa, of which I watched very little. And, you know, I'm not patriotic, but uh, when Spain won that World Cup, obviously I, I thought, well, wouldn't it have been nice if my dad was uh, still about? He, he would have. Again, he wasn't patriotic, but when it came to football, he took a real pride in uh, the type of football that the Spanish uh, team played. Although, uh, I think, for those of you who are football fans, the Spanish team in the 90s. Uh, very much uh, a different style to the current team. Uh, the 90s team was all about uh, power and size uh, uh, based on the uh, principles of Javier Clemente, the um, old Bill Bow manager. Uh, so it was a very different Spanish team then. But uh, I'd got into the uh, job that uh, I was in when things eventually uh, went wrong. I was on the verge of moving in with the with the ex and... Uh, I was a couple of months away, I think, from getting out of the flat that I didn't want to be in. It was, uh, things, you know, were happening, but obviously there were problems under the surface and they were very quickly going to bite me on the arse, so I don't kid myself that these were halcyon days, but, uh, there was a feeling that I had that I've not often had in my life where it was like I'm finally getting back on track. Obviously I was wrong, but, uh, I would like to experience that feeling again this time hold on to that feeling this time see that feeling through and uh, whatever whoever's in my life the next time you know hold on to them too um i remember going into this job and unusually for me settling in very quickly in, in that it wasn't a problem you know the job wasn't a problem for me and that surprised me and that put me at ease and uh I'd recently just, you know, been on Twitter about three or four months. I was starting to uh, experiment with audio. Uh, Mickey and I were doing the uh, early Please Don't Hug Me poster site. I'd meet a mate who uh, worked in Victoria. I'd meet him for lunch regularly, an old friend, and uh, we'd just hang around at lunchtime together. And it was all, you know, it was it was a promising time. It didn't last for long. But uh, it was a cut-off point given what came afterwards. And... Uh, it was a it was a good time in my life. It could have been better, but it was a it was a it was it was a good time. I was going to bed. I was uh, sleeping a bit better. Um, what I wanted was within my grasp. What I wanted in my life at that time was within my grasp. And uh, yeah, I can hopefully get get that back at some point. Uh, and this time it will be a a permanent thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Apologies for all of this uh, bunged up coughing uh, extravaganza you're going to be getting this week. I'm not editing it out, unfortunately. I've got to go on Sex in the City. That's why. Um, Aquatic Charne. I don't know if I've said that right. Um, I don't think she's uh, contacted the show before. She tweeted in uh, all the way from South Africa. Uh, June 2010, took my 16-year-old sister for her first piercing uh, in brackets, nose, worked 234 hours, got pneumonia, and got two cats. Yeah, I don't think any of that's good, to be honest. None of that is good. <laughs> all these people with their piercings. Cats, you know where I stand on cats. Pneumonia, pff, I've never had pneumonia, luckily. 
Um, I thought South Africa was supposed to be a warm country. I don't know too much about anything that happens outside London, if I'm honest. Um, but hopefully we'll hear more from Aquatic Charney, uh, including um, a breakdown of how to actually pronounce her her Charney name, whatever it is. Is it Sean? Charney? C-H-A-R-N-E. Uh, Miss Ella Simone, the show's uh, drug star. Uh, it was almost a movie. I went to three weddings and my granny's funeral cost me a fortune in new dresses. Uh, it's relatively mild uh, for uh, Miss Ella Simone. That red bear. Uh, in June 2010, I was drinking myself half to death in a bedsit in North London after an emotionally crippling breakup. Fun. I think everyone has an emotionally crippling uh, breakup behind them. A few things are harder. I'd actually put an emotionally crippling breakup up there with bereavement because you know that that person's still out there it's almost easier if you know they're not but uh, the fact that they're still out there that's uh, that's not easy uh, next week's timestamp November 1988 what were you doing I went to my first party in November 88 and uh, I'll be telling you all about that uh, next week email the show drt at westegg1607.co.uk uh, in the subject header, put timestamp. Uh, time for a uh, Nectar Points update now. I cashed in the uh, 500 points at the weekend to get my Observer. Hit the magic 500 mark. Where's the uh, receipt? Got a couple of receipts here. Uh, I think it, I'll be getting a, a, an email there about the uh, heavy breathing there. That was, that was me wheezing, actually, like an old man. Um... Okay, points earned today, 14. Opening balance, 41. Closing balance, 55. Uh, I did some good shopping last week. I actually uh, reused two bags, which gave me a couple of points. Uh, what did I get today? Uh, yeah, 25p on the Basics tomato soup there. Um, basics honey for this cold. I, I, I've been told in the past, after about two or three days, there's no real point in uh, drinking honey and lemon. But... Uh, I'm still sticking with it. I uh, rediscovered a hazelnut yogurt that I used to like uh, three, four years ago. That uh, cost me 45p. Lockets, uh, 55p. Paracetamols, 32 paracetamols for 38p. I t I'm terrible when it comes to uh, prescription drugs. Um, I almost actually uh, got a tub of uh, vapor rub as well. Sainsbury's are doing their own brand now. I'm uh, My problem with... Uh, Vicks Vaporub, or as the Spanish call it, Viva Buru, is that uh, as a kid, I didn't like having it rubbed on my chest. I couldn't sleep with that. Then they put, a, you know, your your pajama top back on. You'd be just sticky. I don't know what parents were thinking. I'm sure I'm not the only kid who had that done to him. But uh, when I used to be bunged up a few noses back, going back to around 92, 93, I actually took to uh, sticking Vicks up my nose, actually, um, <coughs> excuse me, shoving it up my nostrils and burnt my nose so bad I had to go to the doctors. Probably one of the few genuine problems I took to him. Uh, he couldn't argue with that. He couldn't tell me it's all in your imagination or talk to me about how I was like my dad. You know, the fact was I burnt my nostrils with Vicks. He had to do something. Um, but yeah, I've got a, uh, I, I am fond of Vicks uh, so long as it's not on the chest. This week's uh, Sherlock, uh, which current much-lauded TV show do you think is overrated? Uh, the new brunette uh, tweeted, um, and I, I think she might have got the wrong end of the stick. I think uh, because of the uh, Sherlock hashtag, she might have thought that these uh, this part of the show was Sherlock-specific. They're not. Uh, Sherlock is the show that I had an issue with. I, I, I simply named this feature after it as a result. She tweeted in anyway, come come a band, come a band, talks too fast, Freeman is a gurning buffoon, whole thing is smug, hammy, not half as clever as it thinks, all of which naturally I concur. I thought Sunday's episode was actually so bad it was the only one of the six that I failed to finish watching. Uh, such was my lack of regard for it. I thought it was absolutely appalling. And my point is, we're paying for a license fee, I think we're entitled to have better. I really do. I, I, I honestly think that as viewers, we, we're dumbed down to such an extent that we believe shows like this and, and, and Doctor Who and Torchwood uh, are good enough. And uh, I don't accept that. I want better. You know, you, you, you're paying a small fortune for a TV license fee. I want to see better drama. And I'd like to see original drama, okay? I mean, there's shows that I, I, I'm not keen on, like being human, but fair play, at least it's original. You know, at least someone's tried to do something different. Fair play. Whether you like it or not, 
um, that doesn't matter. At least someone's trying to do something. But the next step surely is to do something that's good. And uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll cut myself off there. Pete emailed in, uh, one of the downsides of visiting people is that sometimes somehow you are sucked into watching TV with them. Unlike a cinema date, which is on neutral ground, you have no say in the program selected. Very true. They are invariably awful, but Sherlock does give me an outlet for my pain. Take Me Out is the irritable bowel syndrome of television. Its only positive is that men and women are truly equal as vain and vacuous men try to impress vain and vacuous women. With the shit 70s catchphrase, no likey, no lighty. This show plums new depths in shallowness and tact, making blind dates seem positively intellectual by comparison. Not only is the program an Everest for the dim, it also brings me deep personal shame. As the host, Paddy McGuinness is from Farnworth, where I was born and bred. McGuinness is the unfunny, talented, half-witted friend of unfunny, untalented Peter Kay, who last told an original joke sometime in the last millennium and has been recycling them ever since. McGuinness has never done anything original and shows no sign of ever doing so, but rides his wave of celebrity like a champ. I'm unfortunate enough to have caught a couple of these uh, shows, and uh, like Pete, uh, not in my own house, it's definitely one of the worst things around, but uh, is it actually praise? Remember, we're looking for shows that everyone's raving about. Maybe the fact that it's still on air suggests that it is praise, that it's being recommissioned because of because people like it. Uh, I've seen it. I think it's an appalling show. Uh, interesting there on Peter Kay. I, I like Pete. I'm not a fan. I think Spring of 2000 when he had a showcase, which might have been his breakthrough series, there was one episode in that that he did, The Ice Cream Wars, which are absolutely brilliant. But that's the only thing of his that I liked. I did not like Phoenix Nights. There's uh, a comedian, Daniel Kitson, I think his name is. And he's actually performed down the road from here at the Cavendish. I've performed on a, a couple of nights with him, and he performs under some new alias with a new partner. And I'm sure it was him. But fair play to him because he worked with uh, Peter Kay some years ago and I think he found the experience so horrific that he asked for his name. My understanding is he asked for his name to be removed from the credits and has basically him and Peter Kay have been at war with each other ever since. Two examples of uh, comedians there, one who took the money and uh, one who put integrity before money and I know whose side I'm on there. Uh, Firewatch, um, remember the show's Fire Marshal, Billy Two Rivers Nine, he made his uh, debut, uh, fire debut a couple of weeks ago, um, and uh, he's back this week, and uh, his email started, hi Daniel, uh, first of all, I must apologise for the absence of any advice last week, but following the pilot episode of Firewatch, I was simply inundated with emails from listeners concerned about the arrangements that they currently have in place regarding incense burners and candles, you may remember that this was the topic that I chose to focus on two weeks ago. On a positive note, I am pleased to report that the abundance of silly comments regarding fire on people's timelines have all but disappeared. That's good. Uh, instead of people glorifying the fact that they were responsible for starting field fires in rural Lincolnshire, I'm encouraged to be receiving tweets from followers concerned about the adequacy of the fire safety arrangements in place at their respective workplaces building up a lot of spit in my mouth as I read this. Uh, in view of the current cold snap that the country is enduring, I've chosen to focus my advice this week around electric heaters. Uh, cold weather can bring the need to use electric heaters and blankets to keep warm. Actually, I would like to hear from Two Rivers on electric blankets. Um, people keep raving about them. Uh, people keep raving about electric blankets, how they're much safer than the old days and cheaper to run, but the fire marshal's telling us that's not the case. Also, uh, fire blankets, not necessarily a good look for a man who's maybe having a woman stay over. Uh, that's, uh, if you're a man and you have a fire blanket, uh, uh, electric blanket, do you actually use it when you've got a woman staying over? Let me know. Um, Two Rivers continues, plug-in heaters use a lot of electricity and generate a lot of heat. This means they can be dangerous if they are not bought from reputable shops and used correctly. The following three-point plan should be adhered to when using such appliances. Uh, one, position them clear of curtains and furniture. Uh, three feet or one meter is regarded as a safe distance. Uh, two, have fire guards to prevent and protect children and or pets coming into contact with them. Three, never dry washing on or near them, not even on fire guards. Finally, a quick appeal to any listeners in the Gloucestershire area. If you have been inspired by my one-man fight against fire and wish to give something back, you may be interested to note that Thursday Fire Station is holding a recruitment evening on the 26th of January. Please feel free to drop into the fire station anytime between 6.30 and 9pm for an informal chat. Until next week, be alert, be aware, 
and be safe. Regards, Billy Two Rivers Nine, and you will find the uh, criminally underfollowed Billy Two Rivers Nine. That's the number nine at the end of that uh, on Twitter. Follow him, uh, and uh, you'll 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 see a genius at work, the broken genius of the East Midlands at work. Song overkill now. I'm going for uh, Starline, uh, the Stratos mix, whatever that is. I, I think uh, maybe uh, someone who's 20 would know what the Stratos mix is. I have no idea what it is. It's by a band called, I think, Genki Rockets. Very upbeat tune. I've forgotten what the lyrics are, but you know, the lyrics are great. Actually, I'll see if I can Google it. Let me just see if I can Google this information. Um, but I'll, I'll give you the background to it very briefly. Um, it's a song I've actually underplayed, if anything. But uh, autumn of 2010, I was spending a lot of time uh, away from the hotel at Martin's in the evenings, uh, generally bothering him because um, I was just, uh, you know, losing my head in that room. Let me just type this in: Genki Rockets. Um, I don't know, Starline lyrics. Okay, yeah, it is. Is it Genki Rockets? And he played me this very quirky little song, and it's just absolutely brilliant. And I, I don't think I've ever realised quite how brilliant it is. Um, there's lights in the stars, there's light in the sky, there's light in my dreams, there's night and day. Uh, you know, when you read them out, it does they don't sound so good, I admit. They, they sound like they've been written by a sixth former, but they work. They are... You know, it's it's a really nice little tune. It's a really nice little tune. There's love in the stars, there's love in the sky, there's love in my dreams, there's love and peace. Not sure that last line scan. It's a good song anyway. I like it. I like it. I don't play it enough, but uh, since last night, God knows how many times I've uh, played it. Gonna have to take uh, <coughs> a sip of water here. Excuse me. Uh, <coughs> Mac lads, there was some stuff on my timeline on Saturday. I forgot to cut and paste it uh, on uh, the sheet from uh, which I read out uh, listeners' emails and tweets. I think uh, Two Rivers, Higgs Boson 1 and uh, Mickey Boyd originally submitted um, Mac Lads facts after uh, the three of them expressed their unhappiness uh, that I hadn't even uh, expressed any curiosity, understandably. Uh, I can understand that. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't say I dismissed it. I just, I, I, I will admit that I, I wasn't very curious about the Mac Lads. I, I did say that if you wanted to submit some Mac Lads uh, facts for the show that I would read them out, uh, I've lost track of them. Over the last few days, so <coughs> blimey! If you want to get together an email between the three of you and the other guy who's tweeting about them and submit those facts, drop the show an email drt at westegg sixteen oh seven dot co dot uk. Um, Pete, actually, yeah, Pete, uh, referring to the Mac lads. Uh, uh, so think about the bandwidth sub pub rock lacking the subtlety of half man half biscuit. Uh, Pete said there in reference to. The Mac lads. Meantime, your uh, songs this week. Uh, Drink me for free. We don't need a revolution by Cosmic Rough Riders because it feels like a new year, new beginning kind of song. Uh, Drink me for free. Someone who's also starting over again. I, I am not familiar with that song, but I will YouTube it. Unlike the Mac lads songs, Higgs Boson One himself. OMD messages. The synth intro just popped into my head Saturday night on Monday. Uh, listen to Brian Cox on Desert Island Discs. Uh, guess what he shows. You know, uh, Matt is uh, one of those listeners like uh, uh, the lovely William Stafford, uh, who's been with a show, you know, Superlative C, Minty Matt, them kind of people, who's been with a show, or well, all, all the stuff that I was doing with Mickey from the beginning. And of all the listeners that we have, he's the one who I've never quite been able to establish how old he is. Never got a rough idea. Sometimes some of his uh, Nautia tweets suggest to me he's in his mid-twenties and stuff like the O&D uh, uh, song overkill choice that he's just picked uh, suggests to me that he's about my age. I don't know, but I, I don't want to know. I like the mystery. And there are often <laughs> uh, tweets I've seen where he's got involved in some battle with some pub. He's obviously been thrown out of some pub and uh, ended up... Uh, getting into some beef with them on Twitter. All very entertaining. But uh, yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a mystery. Uh, a mystery to me. But uh, I like it that way. He's, uh, he's uh, uh, you know, very uh, grateful for his support over the last 18 months. Uh, Stuart Lemon. A contact by Big Audio Dynamite, another 80s band. Her daughter demands it every time we get in the car. 
Uh, Pete emailed in my song Overkill this week is Fiona Apple's Never Is A Promise. I first saw uh, Fiona Apple at the Roseland Ballroom in New York in the mid-90s. Frankly, I've never heard of her, but there's only so many meals you can eat and Broadway musicals you can see. She was young, pale and very thin, yet with a powerful voice and brimming with emotion, talent and promise. Her debut album title is a masterpiece. Since then, she's had a checkered career, winning critical acclaim while having onstage meltdowns. Yeah, I know those. Uh, and arguments with the record companies resulting in a thin canon of work. I've got some Fiona Apple stuff uh, on my iPod, um, which stopped working a couple of nights ago and then started working. That's the last thing I need is for the iPod to go. Uh, you know, I, I, I can handle my situation, but I don't want to lose any more than I've lost. You know, I need the iPod. Uh, William, uh, my song overplayed this week is from a Disney animated film, the somewhat bizarre Home on the Range. The plot involves three cows uh, setting off across the Wild West in order to foil an evil cattle rustler and use the reward money to save their farm from repossession. Be that as it may, about two-thirds of the way through comes this poignant little song called Will the Sun Ever Shine Again, performed by Bonnie Ray at her most plaintive. It is a beautiful little number, perfect for a melancholy January. Bad weather is used as a metaphor for hard times. The tune is pretty and the lyrics clever. Best wishes for a cheerful February. The lovely William Stafford. Keep your songs coming in. Song Overkill on the subject header. Email drt at westegg1607.co.uk I haven't given out the uh, Twitter details this week uh, because... Uh, gone on an extended Twitter break uh, with immediate effect. I won't be responding to any messages or DMs during this time. Um, I've uh, stopped the uh, Twitter alerts on the mobile, so uh, I won't be having anything to do with Twitter um, during this period. Um, I think this is a, a positive thing. Um, I'm not going to slag Twitter off. It's been brilliant. Um, but... I can't be on Twitter and be so unprofessional and unfocused in other areas of my life when I'm in the situation uh, that I'm in. As I say, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm as fond of uh, Twitter as uh, I think most people on it are. Uh, Twitter was actually, you know, there for me when I was, uh, you know, stuck in that hotel. You know, I had followers contacting me, looking to send food to me at the hotel. Um... And this situation that I'm in, this isn't like that situation. This isn't me going nuts. This is me scratching my head thinking, well, this really isn't paying off. Um, what else can I do? And uh, as much as I've been doing, there's still more that I can do. Uh, and I can't do that if I'm distracted. And that, that's certainly one thing that Twitter does is distract me. Um, any contributions for next week's show, email them in. If I don't get anything uh, via email, uh, the show obviously will help be a different kind of show then, uh, but there will obviously still be a show. Uh, but I won't be tweeting any links for the show whilst I'm off uh, Twitter. This is going to be a complete break. I've been planning it for a while. I just didn't think that I would need to do it this early. Uh, and I don't think I need to plug the show. You know where to find the show by now, so I don't need to plug it on, on Twitter. Um, I generate loads of material through Twitter, the blog, the book, the show, the stand-up. It's been great. Hopefully it will be in the future, but I you know, I can't be on there tweeting and have a covering letter for 9 to 5 roles as disgraceful as the one I was sending out for months, sitting on my laptop, untouched, unproofed, and to have you know someone look at it a couple of days ago and point that out. Um, this is about priorities. You know, The situation I'm in is such that I need to scale everything back. Uh, at least for the rest of the month, I need to get my head together because this isn't changing. I'm not embarrassed to say that. I'm a strong guy and I know that generally I'm working hard enough for things to change. And whilst I, I know that I've changed, uh, the situation isn't changing to the extent that it needs to because it's, it's crap out there. The job market is making it hard for people to pull themselves out of the fire. And I know that... The loneliness has changed me. I know that living on my own has changed me. That wasn't a change I was seeking. This is only the second year of my life that I've lived on my own. And it's done something. I'm not quite sure what, but it, it, it's done something. I, I think maybe it's made me withdraw into myself. I'm not sure. It's certainly something different to how I've, I've, I've felt normally. Um, 
it's only the second year of my life that that I've done this. Um, the last time was a very successful period in my life, but I, I look back now and I look at how I got through that period living on my own because I was working from home. And I got through it simply because I was working 12 hours a day. And the only day I didn't get called during that period that year was, uh, I think, Christmas Day. Uh, I got a call from the boss on, on Boxing Day, but, you know, I was uh, well remunerated. Um, I didn't enjoy the money because I was working too hard. But that's how I got through it. I had something every day. I was working flat out. I remember I had bad days. I think that was the final. That was about three years after my mum had passed away. And uh, that was probably the final year of serious grieving on my part before I uh, turned things around. You do get used to being alone. You do get used to living alone. Uh, I've got to hold up my hand here. I'm guilty of not visiting friends. I'm guilty of not calling them. But you get caught up in this cycle. You, you, you get caught up in that feeling of not having to do anything, of not having to speak to anyone. And partly because you don't want to be answering the same questions. People don't see how hard you're working to change things. They just see what they want or expect to see. Um, I remember a year ago meeting up with someone after a show and going back to their place. Uh, not to bang them, I'd like to stress. Um, I was, uh, you know... I was in a mess that night. I was I was in a mess, and uh, I was sat in their kitchen, and uh, they cooked me some pasta. And uh, they said, sometimes you need to speak to strangers. Strangers never judge you because they don't know your history. What they do is they take that one situation that you're in, and that's the situation they're interested in. They're not interested in anything else that might have led up to that situation. They're interested in the now. They're interested in what's happening to you and how you get through that. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that night. That was an important night. But obviously, uh, now I'm thinking far more clearly. I'm not going to be hanging about with strangers. But, you know, I can't be going to friends with the same thing. I can't be going to them when they're aware of my history. Because, they're, you know, I don't want to hear that sigh. I don't want to detect uh, that, that familiar, weary expression in their faces. You know, I'm, a, I, I'm alone in this, and also I have friends all around me falling into their own cycles of, of depression, and I don't say that mockingly. You know, people are struggling with their own things. You know, there, there are a lot of people out there who are breaking for various reasons. These are very difficult times that we are living in. I'm jaded, and I don't know how I can be saying that after a nine-month sabbatical from the horrors of nine to five. If I'd had this break four years ago, I'd have got a job quickly. This constant applying for, for roles day in, day out, it wears you out. I am so tired, I barely sleep. Uh, I don't eat as well as I should. I don't do much. You know, sometimes people say to me, call so-and-so. I, I say, you know, or, you know, I get pulled up on not calling people who are having their own tough times. and It's fair enough. But I just say to these people, look... And I'm not saying I'm right here, but sometimes I think, given what I'm dealing with, I'm not sure that I'm the person that that person who's also struggling should be hearing from. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to find the words to make them feel better. So I end up lying low. And I've got used to this loneliness. I've got used to not talking to anyone. And this isn't about feeling sorry for myself. This is just about explaining how weird this is, that I am very aware that if this changes uh, and I'm not sh I, I, I think I know I, what I need to do in order to have a chance of changing it obviously you know I need to do more than I'm doing but I remember that that period where I lived alone before for a year in Balham that there was a period around six or seven months into that where I thought I'm on my own I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I can't see where another girlfriend's going to come from, given that I'm not going out. I'm not happy. I'm, I'm struggling mentally, if not financially. I can't see how this is going to change. And within a couple of months, I'd met someone. Um, obviously, what I didn't... Well, actually, to be fair to myself, I suspected at the time I wasn't ready for that. I suspected that I had a lot of shit that I would be bringing into that relationship. And, and, and not dealing with that eventually led to... It played a massive part in what eventually happened to me in 2008 and 2010. What I'm saying is, this is a weird period, and I could get through this, but I won't forget this period. I will look back 
at this as a a very difficult period in my life. When I was with someone, I often found that I wanted to be on my own or spent a lot of time on my own in my study. Never really appreciating what those girls were doing for me. It was always about the work. It was always about the ambitions, the dreams. I was selfish. I saw that too late. Uh, one girl, all she wanted from me was to, you know, the weekends, go go for coffee and sit and relax and have a coffee. And even then I would kick up a stink about that. And I think, look at the back, I think you fool. You know, was she was she asking for a lot? She was so laid back, she wasn't asking for a lot. And you couldn't do that. Nothing about living on my own excites me. <coughs> Excuse me, that's, that's the truth. I don't long to jump on a bus. I don't long to go out and do something. That's the way that I'm feeling. That's the way I felt for, 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 for months. I dealt with it last summer by, by doing the stand-up by trying to stay busy, but I didn't enjoy those nights. I think with the exception of one night, I didn't enjoy those nights. I did them because I didn't want to be indoors. And after I came off the stand-up circuit, and I wasn't planning on staying off it for that long, that's when I thought for the first time, I'm going to have to try and, and, and stay indoors. I'm going to have to get used to this because when I had my last flat, I didn't come home. I don't like being on my own. I didn't enjoy being at home. So I would just keep busy in the evenings, and I'd go home at 9 or 10 so I think it was important for me to, to to spend time in the house, probably not as much as I have, but I needed to do it because it had been a long time since I'd spent, you know, since I'd come home when I needed to come home. I didn't expect my life at this age to be like this, and it's been a massive jolt, and I'm dealing with it, and I think I'm, you know, dealt with it reasonably well. But I'm not going to pretend that this is for me. I'm not going to pretend that this is through choice. And, uh, you know, I have people who tell me they'd love my life. Uh, but this is usually people who don't live on their own. And uh, to be fair, maybe once or twice I've said to them, uh, yeah, you know, I'd rather be in your situation when, you know, do I really know that? Do I really know that? Because, of course, there are benefits to being on your own. I don't have anyone nagging me. I don't have... Uh, you know, the one thing I don't miss about being with a woman is, uh, you know, the, the nightly calls and sitting on the phone for an hour or two, you know, get, being given five minutes at the end to talk about my day. You know, I, I don't miss that at all. So I'm aware that there's a peace of mind. It's not that I've, it's not a case of uh, thinking to myself, well, I have my freedom. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not beholden to anyone. No, it's, uh, but I do have my peace of mind. There's, there's no woman stressing me out. Um, I don't ever contemplate that the way to get out of this is by meeting someone. It's me who has to change this. It's me who's trying to change this. I think, obviously, that this is why this has been very difficult. Because I'm having to do something that I've never been able to do before. I'm finally, over the last year, been facing down the things that I had to deal with. Also, I never liked dating anyway. That process of getting comfortable with someone. Can you imagine what that's like for someone like me with all my toilet issues? To, to have to, at nearly 40, to have to start all over again. You know. Uh, that. I mean, it's just horrible. That it, I, I can't even begin to tell you how much, how difficult that is for me. So uh, I'm getting away hopefully next week, uh, going away for a bit, going away for a few days, depending on possible job, uh, job openings that seem to be presenting themselves just a, a day or two after getting the new CV out. Um, actually, I, I, I do have an interview tomorrow morning and I nearly screwed that up by, you know, getting awkward with this uh, girl calling me and trying to establish whether what kind of test they were trying to get me to do. I didn't want to do the test that recruitment consultants always get you to do that I've already done for, for these guys and uh, I don't think basically that she will be looking forward to seeing me tomorrow morning to meeting me tomorrow morning and I've already had an argument with a colleague earlier in the week these people that's what they do to me um, I don't suffer fools you know I I remember a deco when it was uh, Alfred Marx that's how long I've been t uh, doing contract work and dealing with agencies and I, I, I I've got them up there with landlords and, and bankers so I don't play the game 
I don't jump through the hoops that you need to jump through in order to get to that next uh, whatever, that next square. I don't... I can't do that. It's just... Uh, I know that I can be difficult, but uh, I think there's times where I've, I, I just stand up and say, look, that's too much bullshit. I've done the test. Tell me what I'm coming in for, because I'm not coming in to do more tests. Don't waste my time like that. My priority is to look for work. I'm not, not, not sit and see how much I can score on a word test. So uh, I've got that tomorrow morning any, anyway. That should be fun. But uh, next week is about <coughs> excuse me, uh, getting away, clearing my head. If I take the laptop with me, I don't know if I'll be doing any writing, but uh, I'll certainly be doing job hunting. But I think I need to get out of this flat for a bit, and I'll be getting out of London. Uh, next week's show, if not out on uh, Thursday, next Thursday, which is the 26th, will most probably be out on either the Saturday or the Sunday, the weekend of the 28th or 29th, I think. So uh, keep an eye out for that, because I won't, obviously, there'll be no links on uh, on Twitter for that, so you know where to find the show. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes if you have an account with them. Thanks to those of you who already have. Uh, I say it every week, though, please. It does make a difference. It won't take you long if you have an iTunes account. Uh, you can listen to the show on iTunes, on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio, and Mixcloud. You've got the Facebook group uh, that you can follow the show on. Uh, just ask to join, uh, and I'll... Uh, do whatever I need to do to get you on there. Uh, email the show, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. Uh, for next week's show, get your song Overkills in. You've got Sherlock to get in. Keep your least favourite TV shows coming in. Timestamp is November 88. Uh, details of how to order shows 1 to 30 are on the blog, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Daniel Wurris-Tyson. Next week, people. Next week. <laughs>